Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk. This week I am joined by Ryan and James of Staffordshire Paranormal Investigations. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what they get up to. We're going to talk about their YouTube channel and some of the evidence that they've captured. Are you there guys? We are. we are indeed. Hi, guys. How's you enjoying the weather? Um, yeah, the weather's nice. We went on inv- investigation yesterday. Slightly windy though, um, but we persevered. So yeah, we're enjoying it. Yeah, a bit of contamination from the wind, but yeah. it was nice to get back to an outdoor location again after the yeah heavy winter. Yeah, it's. I think the sun it kind of it changes your kind of attitude as well. When you have got a bit of sun and you have got some nice warm weather and you can get out and do your thing. It kind of changes the mindset rather than the cold and the rain. It's, you know, it can only be a plus, can't it? Yeah, 100%. So my first question is Staffordshire Paranormal. How did it come about? And and kind of what was the motivation to create a YouTube channel and actually go out and start investigating and seeing what you could find? So about... 20 years ago now, I actually started ghost hunting with a few friends. Um, I had a book of the haunted places around Staffordshire, and we went to check a few of those out. Now, back then, it was the days before camera phones. uh, Technology was very limited. So it was all about personal experiences then. Um, We went to do that for about a year, and then people started going off to university and kind of interest changed. I kept the interest in the paranormal, um, but more just watching what was on TV at that point. And then a couple of years ago, uh, me and Rianne started to watch some of the more commercial ghost hunting programs on mm-hmm. TV. We got an interest back for it. We found actually that a lot of amateur groups were doing it on YouTube. And I said to Rian one day, you know, I know these places locally. Do you fancy going out and, you know, checking them out, see what we kind of capture and experience while we were there? So we went on a few um, local ones. We didn't have a camera or anything back then, so it was all about personal experiences. It was quite frightening the first few times. Petrifying, because um, literally every sort of little tap or knock, you just wanted to run away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was quite scary at first. And then we invested in some basic equipment um, and did our first investigation that we filmed at Morton Corbett Castle, which is a place close to us. Captured some interesting things and then just got the bug from there, really, and thought, you know, why why don't we post it on YouTube? Why don't we put what Mm -hmm. we've captured out there? You've got quite a lot of videos uh, and you seem to be doing it quite regular. Do you find that difficult where you're looking for locations or places that have paranormal activity or alleged paranormal activity do you find it difficult to think well we need to book ahead or do you just sort of is it the spur of the moment thinking oh this place is haunted let's go investigate and see what we can capture i think we've built up a a portfolio really of, of different places that we want to investigate and we some of the places you know you're rian's the person in yeah. charge of mm-hmm. booking places um and we look at costs involved there. But with like places like Morton Corbett and a place that we went to last night, as long as we can gain access to it, so you check the times when you can access mm-hmm. it. And some places just, you know, accessible 24 hours, which is brilliant. As long as you kind of respect, you know, your noise levels and things, if there's uh, housing close by and stuff like that. So we, we 
kind of go by the weather and then we pre-book yeah. uh, places mm-hmm. in advance um, as well. So it's a mixture of the two, really. Yeah, we sort of have a list of um, places to do, like spur of the moment if the weather's nice. Yeah. And then we also have a list of places where obviously like you need to book and you need to pay to go and stuff like that. So we've got a two list. Is is there a is there a kind of process involved where you you kind of categorize you you find your locations you say these are possibles they have known evidence or they have known paranormal activity do you put together a kind of a a, a, a step forward to say well we're going to do this one then we're going to do this one because this could lead to this or or is it as I said before is it just as you as you just explained that something comes up it's an opportunity and you go for it. I think I find most of the places through uh, ghost hunting books um, yeah. with documented kind of hauntings there. And then from that, I'll do further research online, um, like I said, to see about when you can access it and things like that. And then it's good if like we've got perhaps one place in one area and then the other place is quite close by. We can sometimes try and do maybe two in one night, especially if the stories are linked. Mm. So it might be that um, this ghost or spirit got married in one particular venue and then actually lived in another close by. It's good to kind of tie the two in together there. But I find that uh, most of the time we 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 tend to just research and yeah. then and then go with with what we can. Definitely, from that. I think we put booked venues ahead of places that you can just go mm-hmm. anytime um because obviously with booked venues you've obviously got to search for availability yeah. work around them so we put them first and then we sort of fit in the ones that you can do any day around them do you find that um as time goes on with, with you know youtube is the whole paranormal thing is becoming is having a resurgence more people are getting high quality cameras and they're going out and doing their own investigations do you find it's getting more and more difficult to find locations and and venues that still are reasonably off the radar and is it a question of you need to get there first to to do to do an investigation because you know that as soon as you publish it or your video goes live of your investigation everyone else is going to want to go there did you find it's getting more difficult to do that? I think it definitely is. I see a lot of other groups um, going to similar places now. The lucky thing for us is I think we do approach it quite differently in terms of we don't kind of, you know, watch YouTube and think, mm-hmm. oh, that place looks good, that team's done that. We do get all our places from mm-hmm. ghost hunting books with, you know, uh, reported, documented hauntings there. And we we do try our best as well to kind of link that in with the online side of things yeah mm. definitely and i think it's also good to be a bit different with locations because obviously you engage with the viewers more if you're doing an investigation that yeah. only a few people have whereas mm. if you do like a really popular location sometimes it can go against you Mm. We're finding as well that the cost to actually gain access to places is becoming yeah. really high in those popular places. So you really want to go out and do those places that have, you know, become the most haunted mm-hmm. house or the most haunted pub in Britain. 
but the costs involved are getting astronomical, yeah. really, at some of them. I was going to ask that question. Um, when it comes to doing uh, places that have, you know, a fee to investigate, are you finding that those fees are slowly on the rise? Definitely. Yeah. We've been lucky because we've been using um, kind of a paranormal group event. Mm -hmm. um, so because there's quite a few people uh, all going to one place at one time, the cost is brought down. The downside to that is you do get some contamination from the other guests that are there. Yeah. But because we've built up a good relationship with this group, we are able to go off and do our own thing and have kind of areas of a, a haunted building locked down to ourselves. Um, but there's always that chance that, you know, there might be a, a loud call out or a, um, somebody using maybe a spirit box in a, a room close by. So you do get a contamination there. So there's the, the downside to it, but it definitely helps out on the cost yeah, side of things. Definitely. Last year, um, I wanted to book somewhere special for your birthday mm. to investigate. And um, <clears throat> I really wanted to do this one particular place. And um, they quoted me over a thousand pounds. Yeah, crazy. Um, crazy money. I was just like, that's slightly over our budget. <laughs> well, I looked at one place, which was, I think it was a 14th or 15th century manor house. And it, I think it slept eight people. So it would be a group thing. It's alleged to have activity. It's alleged to have paranormal goings on. And I thought, well, that would make a nice, you know, a long weekend for a few people. Maybe, you know, do a bit of filming or maybe a podcast or, or whatever. And it was over £800. Over 800 Just for like three days. Well, nearly four days. So, yeah, I, uh, prices are going up. And if you've got a spook, then it's going to get really expensive. So Yeah, definitely. When you do your um, uh, investigations... Apart from the usual, you know, your your own senses, what else do you take with you to help kind of ca hopefully capture evidence? I think the the main things that we always try and take along with us um, is the spirit box um, because we find that we do get some good responses from there. You do get some radio contamination on there that we do like to debunk um, early on in the best investigation or when editing after. Um, but we do find that we do get some intelligent responses through that. And then other kind of equipment we like to take along a, a K2 meter, which reads the MF field. So sometimes that can be from natural um, elements around you, but you sometimes get a random spike. And we like to kind of validate that with an intelligent response on it. So maybe, you know, if it's a male spirit, can you come towards us now and light it up? And that's a good way of kind of validating um, the activity for us. We we do use cat balls and things mm -hmm. again, but I can be a little bit dubious over yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, I think it's always good to have a range of equipment. Yeah. Because um, obviously some spirits um, might have the ability to talk to you through the spirit box. And then some spirits only have the availability to obviously sort of touch things. Um, so I think it is really good to have that variety of equipment. As well as your own senses. I yeah, think that's definitely. the important thing. You, and it, it kind of, you, you feel the sense of energy building within mm -hmm. a place, don't you? I, I, I don't know whether that's 
I don't think it's a gift that we've got. I think it's no. just a natural thing that you can feel the energy yeah, building. Definitely. And usually that will coincide with uh, activity that we get on the different devices. So. I can kind of find a, a commonality with you when you say the feeling, because I've been into buildings that have literally hundreds and hundreds of years old and have generation upon generation of people living and dying in them. And you do get that feeling. You get that feeling of, something else is there or you can feel the history or, or something I, I don't know what it is it's a feeling I'm not a I'm not a medium I'm not a psychic or at least I don't think I am what I was going to ask you was there's a lot of controversy when it comes to spirit boxes and you know any form of meter to measure anything there's the side these are the you know the, the group of investigators that go it's just a load of old nonsense don't rely on that just rely on what you see and what you hear and yet you've got the other side that embrace the technology and say let's use as much as we can to try and capture as much evidence as possible do do you think that there's two there are in a way there's two different crowds of people who investigate one that is kind of don't want the technology and one that wants to embrace the technology do you think do you think it's going that way it's kind of splitting off um obviously when we've been investigating with other people um they kind of use a bit of both yeah and that's what we like to do to get like a variety um to sort of prove either way i think in the paranormal world there's no right or wrong answer mm. Um, in whether you use your own senses or equipment. Um, but we like to use a bit of both um, just to validate, like extra validation, really. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few viewers on YouTube um, who are mediums, and they can actually see things within our videos um, that to us, you know, we can't see, no. we can't tell it's there. So... It's very difficult without having those kind of gifts to be able to completely rely on your mm -hmm. own sense. I think you do need that kind of scientific device yeah. there with you to help validate it more sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you kind of build your own senses as well when yeah. you start seeing things happening. Mm -hmm. And it makes you more aware that something is going on there. Definitely. And I think if you just rely on your own senses... Obviously, if you are starting to get scared, obviously your mind plays tricks on you. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, so you could be accidentally making up things in your head. So you might accidentally be hearing like a knock or things like that, that or seeing things that your mind's playing tricks on you with. Mm. No, you you definitely uh you your mind yes can definitely make you see and hear things that aren't even there because. I've been in that situation and I've been really scared over really nothing, over my own mind. So, yeah, I kind of understand where you're coming from from that. So when you do your investigation and you get back and you review your evidence, what 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 qualifies as evidence? How do you say, well, that's a possible whatever or that can go in the bin? How What, where's, what parameters do you use? I think for us it's um, a combination of both intelligent activity on the devices and then other interactions with the spirits there so maybe asking for a, a knock on command or mm -hmm. to hear footsteps around you as well as seeing a cat ball light up and a k2 spike because alone for me you know that could just be something natural you know the grass moving across yeah. a spirit ball mm -hmm. anything like that 
Um, so we always look for an intelligent response to go alongside that. Also, we try to debunk um, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so when we capture something, we're like, right, could it be this? Could it be that? And then we try and rule out as much as possible. All the natural kind oh, yeah. of yeah. Yeah. elements. And then if there's something we can't debunk whatsoever, then obviously that could be evidence. That's what we like to include then. Yeah. What's the kind of key motivation for you both? What What made you sort of say, let's go out and let's see what we experience. What was the thing that got you out of your chair and got you into a place that apparently has got ghosts? What what motivates you to do it? It was it was just reading the stories and hearing other people's accounts of what's mm-hmm. happening, just wanting to experience that for ourselves, really, um, at those places. Yeah. And I think um, lockdown actually helped. Okay, yeah. Um, obviously, during lockdown, you restricted. Mm what you could do and where you could go um so obviously you find almost new hobbies um we've always both been interested in the paranormal but i think lockdown actually pushed us a bit to obviously mm. start going out there investigating and stuff like that i've heard that quite often but that, that lockdown having a, a you know an extended period of time where you're quite have restricted where what you can do and what it's kind of for some people, and I've had this conversation with others, that you kind of rethink what 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 you do in your daily life and what your priorities are. And uh, I've had a few people that I've had conversations with that have taken up new, new hobbies and new interests. Actually, one other took up uh, ghost. Well, I say ghost hunting. He went on more like paranormal sort of investigations, with like you're talking about with like groups of people. He he wanted to get out more and and become more sociable. So I think it does, it, it kind of a way, it has affected a lot of people. Definitely I know it's affected me and the way I look at things and think about things uh, in the future. So my next question is directed to both of you because I'm interested to hear from from each of you. When you started investigating and started to do it on a more serious level, what was the one thing that you kind of experienced that really did either for a moment or for long term, I wouldn't say frighten you, but what was the thing that really caught or made you think, this is really happening, did I just experience that? For me, I have to go way back, actually, for my first experience. Um, I was 10 years old. I was staying at my grandma's house, and um, we'd, we'd gone up to bed. It was just me and my grandma staying there that night. And I was just lying in, in bed in, in the children's room and I heard what sounded like footsteps coming up the stairs. So there used to be a window to let natural light out onto the stairwell in the bedroom. Yeah. And as I kind of looked up at that window, I saw the shadow of a very tall man with a top hat. I'd never seen him before um, and it, it scared the life out of me. I thought, this this can't be real. The footsteps continued along the landing. I heard like my, the bedroom door start to creep open. And at this point, I was absolutely petrified. I then felt a weight actually go onto my feet at the bottom of the bed. And I did look back up and kind of to my relief then, uh, my granddad, who passed away six months before, his shadow now appeared on the bedroom wall. 
So it was almost like he'd come there to protect me at that point. And it's difficult, really, because I've not had an experience like that since. I've had interesting moments on investigations, but obviously nothing to that level. A lot of the kind of stories I hear from other people, I find sometimes difficult to believe because you're not there yourself. Mm. Having that experience myself, the, the complete fear of this unknown person or spirit walking in my grandma's house and then kind of the relief that my granddad was there to protect me from the, the spirit world as well. And I think from then on, I've always kind of believed that there's mm-hmm. there's an afterlife and there's yeah. a chance that you can experience things like that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, mm-hmm. I've yet to actually experience anything like that. I mean, on investigations, I've been scared and also almost been like overwhelmed with the responses or validation we have got. But I've not actually witnessed seeing an apparition or having any experience like that. So I'm yet to experience it, but hopefully one day I will. Do you worry that sometimes you might go into a building and there's lots of activity and that there's a possibility that you might bring something back with you into your own home? (laughs) Yeah, we've had this worry quite a few times. Um, I mean, on the group investigations, um, we always do like a little protection. um, Protection, yeah. Light protection. Um, but when we go out on our own, we sort of forget to do it ourselves. It's more the excitement when you're there. You is, just kind yeah. of forget about that kind of side of it that yeah. you know you are leaving yourself mm-hmm. possibly vulnerable. Yeah. To bringing something home mm-hmm. with you at that point. So. Yeah. When you're on an investigation and you've got all your your tools set up to monitor the building and your you know you're doing or calling out or however you do an investigation do you find that the older tools like ouija boards and stuff like that have you ever introduced that into an investigation as well to see if that would kind of work uh, because obviously there's this whole you know ouija boards are evil you'll get the devil and all that sort of stuff i mean what's your what's your take on that i, I think for me i was quite I wouldn't touch a Ouija board at first. We we came kind of came across some more on the group investigations that we did. And then I tried one at the National Emergency Services Museum and got some really interesting results. Now it does come down a lot to kind of trusting the other people Definitely. that are taking part in it with you. But some of the dates that we got there, which I always like to do research beforehand. I know a lot of people prefer to kind of go into the places kind of raw without that yeah. prior knowledge mm-hmm. um but i do find it helps you to kind of in the back of your mind you know if you get a result or you get a response like a date knowing that that date actually is an intelligent response mm-hmm. just helps you to to kind of ask yeah. the next questions at that point and and build on that so with the ouija board i, th- I think you know we've, we've had some interesting mm-hmm. results on group investigations we've bought one ourselves but as yet, haven't had any no. interactions on it. And haven't had anything on them. No, no. I think it was your it's your most recent video or the one before. That was the National uh, Emergency Museum. Is that is that right? Yeah, it was a little while ago, but not too long ago. It was quite a recent one. Well, what kind of things were happening there? It was uh, intelligent responses on the, the REM pod while we were there. 
um, interesting responses through the the spirit box, um, all all on command really as well. So and it, you just felt like there was an en- energy building up in most of the rooms there, um, and it wasn't just kind of isolated to one part of the building. There was a lot of vehicles in there. Uh, we were sat in the back of the like an army medics, mm-hmm. van, almost like an ambulance really. And you kind of got the feeling like some of the patients and maybe doctors were just sat in there with you. Yeah. It was, it was a real unique experience for us. That was Definitely. that was really good. I have a well. It's it's a theory. It's not my theory. It's a theory that when you put a lot of old objects that have history together, the chances of paranormal activity happening rise considerably. Um, maybe in some way, all of that, all of that equipment there. Has, has helped as a catalyst because there is theories out there that paranormal activity will only happen if the person that's viewing it has the right mindset is in the right you know position or whatever to make that paranormal activity happen or to help it to happen so do you think that all of that you know these older have you ever been in a building that rather than having all this sort of old stuff in it's got nothing in it and you still have that same level of interaction with something that you can't see? I think definitely the places that have got those older pieces of equipment in vehicles and things like that do seem to hold more more memories from the past. But then in other places that we've been in that have just been like the shell of the building, Mm -hmm. we do get some interesting stuff as well. Um, But I wouldn't say anywhere on the level of no. like the National Emergency Services Museum. And mm-hmm. I think that does come down to having all that old equipment in there that was once used by by people yeah. um, for the work life and, and they perhaps revisit that now in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's like residual energy that's just playing over and over and over again in like those vehicles or in the back of the ambulance mm-hmm. or in a particular room. So I think objects do definitely help. Uh, that interests me that um, our personal objects, the thing, the objects that we carry through us through our lives, rings, necklaces, watches, there is there is a, a thought process out there that those things that we in some way imbue with part of our personality, part of our energy, because they're on us all the time and we very rarely take them off, that we in some way imprint some of our whoever we are onto them. And when we're long gone, that energy can be released and that is a part of you know us that is out there somewhere so i do find that fascinating but i also find it fascinating that uh, rather than a and i'd like to get your take on this uh, rather than a building or a place with a lot of equipment that has got history a, a field maybe where there was mo- a battle hundreds of years ago maybe the english civil war and there was a great battle and People say, oh, well, I saw these soldiers and they were, and of course, you know, they were dressed like whatever. And you're thinking, well, you're just in a field. Are we able to imprint in an environment without there needs to be a building or anything like that? Is it down to the us as human beings having an, an, an ability to imprint ourselves in a place through some form of emotional discharge? Definitely. I don't think it's the case of the building itself. I think it's much to do with like the land um because obviously in this country we've got a lot of new build houses yeah. um which would have been battlefields 
um, years and years ago or I don't know like a hospital an old hospital that's been knocked down and we've we renovated um so I think the land holds residual energy um because even though some people have got a brand new house mm-hmm. that could still be haunted yeah yeah with the land that it's built on it's it's interesting because uh I, I remember a case I talked about my friend some time ago and he was talking about an investigation he went on where somebody was seeing a person in their house he couldn't understand that he thought he was going he thought he was literally going mad my 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 friend never saw this person they were on about but he said mm-hmm. that we'd see the person walk like into a room where there was no other door and vanish and 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 then they asked well what was on the what was on the land before because it was a new, as I say it was a new build house and they said oh, it was an old like farm place with lots of outbuildings and stuff and of course maybe what he's seeing is nothing that's intelligent but it's something that's been replayed from many years ago so that person walked that way all of their life maybe they went to milk the cows or whatever and that though that that's the route that he took and that what you're seeing is a small portion of history being played back under particular conditions because it wasn't something that he saw all the time so yeah there's a possibility that you know as you say, quite rightly, that it's not the new, it's not the house, it's the land. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My my other part, kind of part two to that question that I first asked was what makes a place, you know, what makes a place haunted? Is it, do you think that paranormal phenomenon and particular place, an area, maybe near a, a water, because we obviously there's a lot of paranormal phenomenon that's near water, or a ley line, or something like. Do you think there needs to be a connection for it to kind of manifest? Yeah, I'm in the the strong belief of like ley lines and um, the water theory surrounding the location. I think that the kind of there needs to be a connective there with perhaps um, a sad event or a really happy event from the, the spirit's life uh, when they were a person there. So it might have been a marriage or a death or something like that, that something that's created a lot of energy there at that location for that particular person uh, for it to return in the spirit world. Mm. I think some of the activity um, and energy will be sort of staying put because we may have some spirits that don't want to move on because they've had such happy times there. Um, or they may be stuck um, yeah. from the sad times as well, yeah. and the emotional connection there, uh, especially if they, you know, they've, they've they've died under kind of brutal circumstances mm-hmm. or something like that. Usually, there has to be a strong, either whether it's a positive energy there or a negative yeah. energy from an event uh, from their lives, uh, it will usually then create the haunting to start happening there. Yeah. I, I noticed listening to your your you know your evidence and what you experience that you kind of have come to the conclusion that you know that the likelihood is that what you're talking to is deceased members you know people members of a family that you're having a connection with and they're able to in some way connect with you and give you messages do you think that that's all it is or do you think that there's a possibility that also what we might be experiencing with a paranormal phenomenon is some form of phenomenon that is part of earth phenomenon it's part of a way that 
we are able to connect or view something. For example, I go for a walk in a field and I see something happen. I see a, I don't know, a, a cavalier on a horse. Am I seeing a ghost of a cavalier on a horse who's out for a ride in ghost form? Or am I seeing an, a portion, a split second portion of something that happened 500 years ago? Because everything at that moment is perfect and I am, am the switch. I am the catalyst that walks into that environment, that, that atmospheric bubble where all those things are waiting to happen and I am the trigger and I view it, I see it. So do you think that there is another possibility where it's not only just the personality of a, a, a deceased grandma or a, a parent or, or a friend, but it also could be something else as well? Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to, again, the energy levels. There might be certain build-up of energy mm -hmm. uh, at a particular location. And from that, you kind of get things sometimes just replaying from the past. So it doesn't need to be necessarily something that haunts there regularly no. or is seen by loads of people. It's almost like you've kind of travelled in time to that particular time space when, when that cavalier was riding mm -hmm. through the field yeah. or when, you know, a, a group of Saxon people were just walking, walking through uh, or walking along the lane. So there's, there's definitely that side as well that it can sometimes kind of spur up through natural energy. Mm -hmm. you, you're very lucky if you witness something like that because it, it perhaps only comes around once. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think to actually get the say, so we do read a lot of ghost stories and you only really ever hear of a particular ghost story occurring once to one person. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be down to that you know residual energy and just replaying the past um rather than it being a an intelligent spirit that is willing to interact with you and, and give you the responses you want so i do i do love both sides of it yeah. um, and that is kind of the, the holy grail for us is mm -hmm. catching one of those moments when something is just replaying from the past and you you know you, it just gives you that great validation that there's something there perhaps not an afterlife then though Perhaps it is just, you know, you, you're kind of seeing a sequence played out from another time. Yeah. Um, and they're not aware of you and mm -hmm. you're just lucky enough to yeah, see that. definitely. I was going to ask regarding an afterlife and passing on to something. I'm, 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 a, I'm very, um, I mean, I've been into the paranormal for many, many years. And I would say even now I'm somewhat agnostic. I'm on the fence. I'm open-minded skeptical i like to sort of run both sides of the of the line i i i find the paranormal or ufos everything fascinating but i also want the truth and i want to find out what is the truth unfortunately the internet technology is amazing and it brought us many things but it's also brought us a lot of static there's a lot of people that are saying a lot of things that are kind of being put out there as definites that this is this and this is that and I will tell you about this and I don't think they do have the answers I think that that the answers are within you and within within everyone but it's for each individual to come to their own conclusion of what a particular thing might be I'm going off on a tangent but I'm, I'm trying to stay on track here um do you think that 
in in our modern age, in like we live now, do you think that where will ghost hunting be in another maybe fifty years? And do you think that we'll still be investigating uh, locations like we do now, or do you think that it will move on more? It will become more advanced, and that we possibly be nearer to an answer. Do you think we will ever get an answer to all of this strangeness that goes on around us? I think we won't 100% get like a solid answer. Um, I mean, in 50 years' time, obviously, we'll have better technology, um, better equipment. um, And I don't know, perhaps better human senses, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, But I don't think no matter how much technology grows, um, or things like that will get a solid answer. I think it's just someone's opinion, and you've got to try and figure it out for yourself. I mean, I'm not religious, but I'd like to think there is like an afterlife of some sort. Um, and I suppose with paranormal investigations, I think we're almost trying to get a confirmation for ourselves or doesn't have to be yes there is an afterlife but just some sort of indication a continuation of your personality of your consciousness so that you go on my other other part of the question was that if there was an afterlife do you think that it would be much like the life we've got now where you get up every day and have your breakfast and go and go and do something whatever or do you think that your life now the way that you live it and as open or closed-minded as you want to be, because there are a lot of people out there that you can try and talk about the strange, the paranormal, and they'll scoff in your face and think, oh, you're just mental. And there's other people that go, hmm, interesting. So I think that if you're if you're kind of, I don't want to use this as a generic, completely painting a brush with everyone, but let's for the sake of this conversation, let's just say that I am completely don't want to know it's to me it's all a lot of nonsense and I don't need to read any books but I have got the answers and I become an old man and I pass away and then all that's in my head is what that's my afterlife everything that I disbelieve is I mean nothing I don't you know there's there's nothing it's a nightmare it's a bad dream everything in my head is what that what has manifest to make my continuation of my consciousness and yet if you're someone that investigates and wants to learn and understand and kind of, you know, broaden your mind that when you pass on that you realise that everything manifest is what you manifest. If you want that cottage on a hill on a sunny day, you can do it. It's it's what you think it wants to be. So do you think that there are that there's two thought, thought forms, that there's a possibility that that's what an afterlife could be, or do you think that it could just be one muddled, crazy nightmare where these individuals that you contact and that you, you know, you get these messages from are in some sort of crazy space where they're like, am I awake? Am I asleep? What's going on? I think it's a, a bit of a mixture of the two, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm hopeful that we will kind of just replay those best parts of a life and those, you know, dreams that we've had. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to kind of, you know, follow through with them and uh, live for them. But then I do believe there might be a darker side to it as well, uh, where unfortunately people have suffered pain 
uh, heavy loss or bad treatment in life. And they unfortunately um, keep replaying that and need need the help really to get yeah. out of that cycle um, to be able to kind of move on to a, to a better afterlife. Mm-hmm. And at some of the locations, I think we have experienced that a little bit through mm-hmm. some of the response Definitely. that we've got that there's a real struggle there and there are people in the spirit world who need need help mm-hmm. as well and and that's kind of what spurs me on even more to do it is I want to be able to help those kind of spirits um you know find peace and 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 find that happier afterlife that I hope does exist and I believe to some extent does exist mm-hmm. that you can just live out your best moments and live out your dreams um once you pass mm-hmm. over yeah, I completely agree. I think it's just a matter of opinion on what goes on on the other side, if there is another side. Um, as James says, could be reliving all your happiest memories um, or if you've died in a really unfortunate way, that could just be repeating itself and obviously you're stuck in sort of like a hole and you need help to get out. Or my favourite is obviously reliving happy memories mm-hmm. and then being sort of reunited with old loved ones, mm-hmm. um, like old family members um, that you've not seen because they passed years ago. So I want to say it's a mixture of both, but hopefully just the happy bits. But from investigating, I know, well, we both know that there is sort of like a darker side out there. Either of you... Um... Uh, familiar with the author Anthony Peake. No. He writes a lot of uh, books about life after death, um, what could be possibly happening when we pass on. And he comes up with quite an interesting theory. Um, I think he coined it Cheating the Ferryman, where the last few moments of your life, you kind of slip out of this reality. And of course, as you consciously slip out of this reality, you no longer are in this time frame so you slip out of time as well so wherever you your consciousness is one minute could be a hundred years and that within those few last seconds of your earthly life or your life here you relive a whole life again through those few moments but because you're not actually in this dimensional i'm using these words to keep it simple that that you your time, the time is, you know, different. And that when you are out at, in different places, you go to a, I don't know, you go, you go to a, a park or you go to a ruin and you walk around the corner and you see this building and think, my God, I've been to that building before or I've, I've seen this, uh, you know, I've seen that happen before, this stuff on the telly or whatever, is those events that happen that you remember, the deja vu is not deja vu as in what a coincidence but those events have happened before and the reason that you're noticing them again is because those events are kind of triggers from your past memory that you recall as you are on your last moments of this life so it's a fascinating theory and it and it goes much deeper than that much much deeper but um it has a, a kind of a connection with this kind of afterlife and us our consciousness being disconnected with, as some people say, that our consciousness is not in our body, it's out there. And we are connected to a, a like a central hub and that we are in some way an avatar being controlled. And when you contact people 
personalities in a spirit world or in a, a different place you are simply contacting people that have left their earthly bounds and gone back to where they need to be so it's the whole subject is a massive massive interesting thing and there's many of you as you well know because you investigate the subject but there's so many great books and there's so many great authors with with these different theories that they put out there and it and it really does make you think what could possibly be going on as as we reach the end of, of this episode i've got a couple of questions that i want to ask about your investigations and your way forward have you got a for 2022 where, where do you see your investigations and your channel going in 2022 and and is there anything on the horizon that you've got like an investigation coming out thinking yes we're you know this is i'll definitely want to be doing this so I've got, um, or we had around the Christmas time, a few uh, wild guide books, mm -hmm. which have given us a load more potential locations, um, a lot of old kind of uh, mines in Wales and places, and then we'll, we'll kind of uh, research those mines and see if they have had any mm -hmm. connection to death or paranormal events and look at the history. So doing a few mines will be a really ex exciting oh, experience for us. Hoping to go to a lot of the more bigger locations yeah. again, mm -hmm. um, hoping to do... Like the more famous locations. Mm -hmm. And then possibly even um, a trip abroad as well mm -hmm. at some point later on the in the year. Now that travel's opened up again, there is uh, a place that I visited about 10 or 12 years ago now um where it's an area of cyprus where there's a lot of old grottos and kind of um statues and things linked to the greek gods that have been visited for, for centuries and centuries and to kind of go and visit a place like that and have an experience mm -hmm. um would be amazing as Incredible. well definitely one of the places that you might want to check out in the nice weather is in, in england is canic chase that's a Mm -hmm. large area of of woodland and there's there's apparently lots of we did i think we did an episode when with gareth and i i think we did an episode on it and some of the experiences that people have had there they've had experiences ranging from feeling of being followed um things being thrown at them poltergeist phenomenon strange lights in the trees there's been very very many weird things going on there we've actually done Canic Chase twice now. Okay. Um, one with like the group, and then the other one just like on our own. And um, I think we definitely caught some interesting things. I mean, on we did an investigation at the German cemetery. Oh yeah. At Canic Chase, and um, there's one bit when we were filming, um, we actually caught on camera this apparition no it's like a head one to yeah, peering a around the doorway in the um, doorway and it's one of probably our best kind of visual mm -hmm. captures to date with canic chase mm -hmm. um, the only difficulty that we've had there is kind of knowing which areas to go for because mm. it's so, so big. yeah it's massive yeah um but we are planning um because we're we're in a group um with a number of other ghost hunting teams that are quite local uh, that we meet up with from time to time and we're hoping to do a big uh, group camp out there. So we're going to stay for the night and then really kind of dig deep into mm -hmm. the forest and, and see 
you know what the catch are there and uh, more spread out more teams doing yeah. it and um, to cover a, a bigger area really um but we have had some some interesting activity mm-hmm. when we've been there and you definitely get the feel there that there's there's a lot going on yeah um, yeah i do like that location definitely so my final question and this kind of moves away from ghosts and and the like in a, in a way but it's still in the same kind of bubble how do you feel about the ufo phenomenon how do you think uh ufos that kind of side of things is there a connection between the paranormal as in ghosts and hauntings and ufos and aliens so you do do you think that the the two different phenomena although there's much there's many other phenomena out there they're the two big big they're the big ones and do you think there's a connection or do you think that they're two separate things i personally think it's probably two different kind of uh, paranormal events that are Mm -hmm. taking place there um one being you know just aliens traveling from from distant lands that have got more developed technology in us and are able to reach us and i'm very open to to that side of things as well whereas um the spirit world i believe is kind of created through energy mm-hmm. in places and the past in the past uh, coming back back to relive it really mm-hmm. um so for me it's, it's two different ones yeah. but could both be based around energy possibly as well and and usually places that do have ghostly sighting spirits and things like that usually have the ufo side as well there is there is definitely a connection with places like canic chase Mm -hmm. and stonehenge is another one um that seems to get a lot of attraction from the ufo side of things Mm -hmm. as well as the spirit world so it's it's like these big kind of outdoor historic areas that seem to attract both so there could well be a connection there but i've not really looped into that as no. much yet mm-hmm. uh, as i'd like to yeah. i think it's just there's there's so much going on in, yeah. in normal and the ghost hunting side of it that i think to kind of break away and try and do the ufo side as well it'd just be too much yeah it, too you know, overwhelming yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you I, I think that you have to kind of pick a small area or a small thing that you're really good at and just stick to it and kind of do everything you can to sort of investigate that little area because if you're trying to do everything you'll you'll most probably do everything fine and you'll make lots of videos but you'll be so it'll be so diluted because you won't be able to spend as much of your focused energy mm-hmm. on everything and I think one other thing that I wanted to ask you because it's a question I missed and I think it's important that I should ask it is because you are not only are you investigating but you're also in a way creating i'm not going to use the word entertainment but you're 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 documenting on video what you're doing and you're publishing it on youtube for people to enjoy mm-hmm. do you feel that there is a you have to be clear that you are you aren't creating well, in a way it's entertainment but it's not entertainment do you do you feel that you don't want to be taken as entertainers but as in more you know this is a documented investigation that there's a reason you upload these videos but the more mainstream tv shows are pushing to the more to the side of entertainment there's a lot of shows out there i'm not going to name them because i don't want to get sued but there are a lot of shows out there that are pure theatrics and it makes it do you find it makes it hard for guys like you that just want to investigate and 
have a bit of fun, but be serious. Do you find that it makes it a little bit more difficult for you to get, you know, when you start putting stuff up on a on a video sharing platform? Definitely, a hundred percent agree. Because obviously, on these mainstream shows, obviously, is for entertainment purposes. So they do sort of fake stuff or enhance mm. what they've caught. Um, whereas we're not trying to be entertainers. Um, we just want to see it black and white um, and bring 100% truth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is this pressure on YouTubers to always come up with exciting, scary videos, especially when you get bigger as a YouTube channel. There is always that pressure um, to obviously retain your fo- like your followers and viewers. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is is to engage. You know, realize that you've got an audience mm-hmm. there. Um, I mean, it's it's very difficult sometimes when something makes you jump. To, <laughs> I, I don't like swearing no, on our channel no. at all. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it, it almost can't be helped when you you're kind of in shock mm-hmm. or amazed by something. Um, but yeah, I find it's important to engage with the audience. But then the main reason that we're out there is we are doing it for ourselves we're there to get our own experiences Mm -hmm. and then just be real while we're there really and um i I love the history side to it Mm -hmm. as well so that's kind of what our our channel's based around is the history of the Mm -hmm. location the reported paranormal um events that have happened there and then after that the third part is our us showing what our experience of that place was um and that's the that's our way forward, really. Definitely. And also, just quickly on investigations, I think you've got to remain yourself as well. Hmm. Um, obviously, you are trying to do a serious thing, but then also if you are yourself and you have a laugh whilst doing it, that can drum up energy. Definitely. And obviously, you've got to enjoy it for yourself as well. You can't just think, oh, Will the viewer like this? Will the viewer like that? Because um, if your heart's not in it, then that will come across as well. I think that any uh, investigation, if if you're with a group of people that are not really into it and like, oh, I don't want to be here, I'd rather be at home watching telly, not, I don't think anything's going to happen. I or if anything does happen, it's going to be you know mediocre. But I think if you're with a, a bunch of people that are really into it and excited, not, not crazy, but excited, and you know they want to go for it and they want to i think that you generate that energy that whatever might be out there can use to manifest whatever it manifests so it's a positive thing it's all about creating a positive bubble and if you can create a positive bubble without running around like you're mental in the dark because i don't (laughs) understand that i don't understand why you got to turn the lights out and run around i don't i don't know maybe that's a thing so yeah anyway guys so fantastic Thank you very much for coming on this episode. What I'd like to do is give it a few months and get you guys back because you're going to have done loads more episodes then and and investigations, and I'm sure you'd have some new uh, evidence to talk about. Uh, Interesting theories, and I would advise anyone to uh, check out uh, Staffordshire Paranormal. All the links to wherever you need to go is going to be on my main website, 
paratalkpodcast.com. So uh, you can go there and uh, get the links to check out these guys because they are awesome. Um, and also, if you can give the uh, episode a review, if you're able to, that would be fantastic as well. So thanks again, guys. Thank, Thank you, Reece. as well. Us along. You, you're you're quite welcome. It's as I say, it's been it's been great having you on, and uh, it's been a really interesting conversation. I'm sure you'll be back again. So, thanks again, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you.